Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest, I've been really excited uh, for this interview. I have Debarati Sen um, coming on the podcast, and Deba is the president of 3M's Global Construction and Home Improvement Markets Division. Welcome to the podcast, Deba. Thank you, Jono. So glad to join you and talk about my favorite topic, which is leadership. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your stories and your thoughts. Um, I, as always, I, I can already tell I'm going to have to be really, really strategic with my questions because I, I just just knowing, um, you know, a little bit of your story, I already have uh, questions I want to ask. But um, first of all, before we jump into that, tell us about your role at um, 3M and, and, and what it looks like, I guess, in a day in your life and, and a bit of an overview of the portfolio you look after. Absolutely. Happy to do so. As you correctly pointed out, I lead our global construction home improvement markets division. Um, So just bringing it to real life, we serve our consumers across the world with a ton of well-known brands, command uh, decorating solutions, command hooks, filtrates, filters, room air purifiers, scotch blue painters, tape, etc. You'll find us in a hardware store or a home center close to you, such as Bunnings. Bunnings is one of our largest global customers. Um, I'm responsible for this 2.6 billion uh, odd global PNL, responsible for driving strategy as well as operational execution, working with our global teams. Um, I'm also, just a little aside, I'm also on the cusp of completing my 25th year in 3M um, out of my 30 years work life. So it's um, 3M, as you know, as you may know, is about a $35 billion US dollar. A global multinational, multi-industrial company. I grew up mostly in the industrial side, and now I'm leading our largest consumer business. Um, and just a little bit in terms of who I am, I'm also on the board of trustees in a nonprofit, Women's Foundation of Minnesota, and the board treasurer on that board. Um, I am a proud single mom of a 25-year-old son who is now two years into his own career. So my day has multiple uh, vectors always associated, leading a large global PNL, uh, being responsible for not just strategic uh, side, but also the operational side. And then all the things that I like to do in my own time, which is really my nonprofit life and being a very active board member. And then my, my son and being a mother of a young working adult. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for unpacking that. And not just what you do in your work, but a little bit of a snapshot of your life. And uh, wonderful to hear about your nonprofit work and also about your son. And uh, I love that you mentioned that at the start. I, I really, one thing I've learned from this podcast is I had never heard the phrase work life integration before I started this podcast. And it's become my favorite take on this whole work-life balance piece, this work-life integration. How do you actually do something you love and integrate 
integrate all of life together. And I can hear that in your introduction. So um, that's wonderful. Let me ask and and jump straight into your story, Deborah. And I want to start at the beginning. I want to ask you about your childhood when you were growing up. As you reflect on that season of your life, what were some of the moments or even themes from your childhood that really shaped you into the person and leader you are today? You probably don't have enough time today to talk all about that. I have a very rich history as I, as I think about it, and I think most people do. We have stories, and thank you for asking that. Um, as I go back, you know, what really shaped me is the fact that I'm the second daughter of a very middle-class family. I was born in India at a time when having a second daughter was not seen as broadly desired. Um, my parents, on the other hand, were very excited to have their two daughters and the way they brought us up uh, to believe that we could aim as high as we wanted, along with that came work as hard as we wanted. Um, and they insisted on us owning our own paths. Very few parents of that generation, no matter which country, and especially in India, were staying away from guiding us into exactly what we should do, but rather to be the, um, the, the, the pathfinders of our own journey. So I very much bring that mindset in, in how I lead people, how I lead businesses, I believe in aiming high, but along with that, owning and driving clarity on results and working relentlessly to reach my own goals. Um, you know, it kind of comes in that package of how, where I was born, how my parents uh, raised me with that belief system um, of aiming high and then working hard to reach those goals. Yeah, thank you for sharing a little bit about um, your upbringing. It's interesting, one of my favorite leadership uh, authors is Patrick Lencioni, and, and he talks about in his book, The Ideal Team Player, the three traits of a great team player. And one of the points he makes is this idea of, he calls it hunger or being driven, how hungry we are. And he says that that work ethic is, in his opinion, of the three traits, which is humility and emotional intelligence effectively are the other two. He says that the hardest one to cultivate or for someone to grow in, in his opinion, is actually work ethic. In other words, it's easier to grow in humility than it is to grow in work ethic because it's so instilled from a young age. So I'm interested to know for you, uh, not just work ethic, but across the board, what what parts of your leadership today or um, you know, your leadership over the 25 years at 3M or 30 years in your career so far, do you see the fingerprint of your upbringing and you think, yeah, I probably have found that easier because of how I grew up, or I probably found that more challenging because I grew up with this paradigm. What do you think? You know, I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking. Um, my leadership formula, I refer to it as my three H's, um, H's, H's, hunger, humility, and heart. And I talk about it all the time. I'll send you some of my YouTube uh, video links. This is, this is really um, how my upbringing has made me who I am. So when we talk about hunger, I use exactly the same words. This is just my, uh, you know, my own formula, three H's. Hunger is about changing outcomes and wanting to do something better, Want, wanting to bring to life different and better outcomes than what you were handed. Humility, I kind of explain it, uh, it I, I bring about a, an additional twist or an additional dimension to that. And humility is about having a student mindset. Humility is about coming into a room and 
leaning on others to become better as a team versus our own brains. Um, and that is, that is something so critical in this fast-moving world. None of us will have all the answers, but together we will. Humility is to learn from everyone. And heart, to me, is to make sure at all times a higher purpose is driving us. We serve as enterprises, we serve our communities. As leaders, we serve our people. So always remembering that, that we are serving a greater cause than ourselves. So my three H's, I literally look back on how I was trained, how I was brought up, what the value system was that I grew up in. And those link back to why the three H's matter so much to me, why they connect with me, why I wake up in the morning and I feel, yes, this is why I was born. I'm doing the right things at all points in time. I'm driving the team and myself higher um, with respect to hunger and coming in with that humility, coming in with that student mindset, not being, not trying to be the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room, right? Absolutely. I, I love that idea of not being the smartest person in the room. I think it's um, that that idea is one of the most helpful ways, I think, for most leaders to to challenge themselves is to go to your team and look around, um, particularly the, the, the higher up and the uh, because it's that tension when the more power, the more authority, the more responsibility you have the more influence you're able to have over who's in the room with you and what feedback you're, you're getting. And I think, um, I think it gets, it actually gets harder and harder. You need to be more and more intentional to bring really smart people into the room around you who aren't just smart, but have, uh, the courage to tell you what they really think. I can imagine that that probably gets, if you wanted to ignore that, it would get easier the higher you get from what I've seen. Absolutely. And it, you have to do the reverse of that. And I remember when I was the managing director for 3M's India Region Operations, leading the public entity, um, being a public CEO, my first plant visit, I remember meeting our technical associates, as we called our plant team members. And my first sentence was, please don't think I am the smartest person in here. And nobody says that in India, least of all in a plant situation. And I said, I'm not that intelligent. <laughs> they looked at me as though I had gone absolutely crazy. And I said, none of us are as intelligent as we are together. I lean on you. I rely on you when I'm not in the room, when I'm not in the plant, that you are taking the decision I would take in your place, that you're telling me what I need to do as a leader of this enterprise. And it just got me a ton of followership. It got a ton of um, shared passion on what was most important for our, for our uh, business at that point in time. And it just got a shared understanding of why we were doing what we were doing. So, I mean, even today, it's, it's really fun for me when I get some email from one of our technical associates letting me know what they have done recently or what they have achieved or accomplished. I've been back in the US for four years, but it's, it's those sorts of leadership connections that you can make because everyone across the organization is a leader, not just those who have a manager, director, or a precedent title behind their names. Everybody is a leader. They are responsible for leading the area, the function, the product line, the site that they are responsible for. 100%. I love that perspective. Uh, before we move on from this, I want to ask you about the three H's and uh, or the three H's, depending on how you, how you, how you say it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I can't remember which one's right. Um, so if anyone if anyone's listening who really loves your grammar, send me an email. Um, but I want to ask you, Deva, 
for a leader who's listening, who heard you unpack the three, uh, the three H's and go, wow, that's so, I really, um, I need to go and watch those YouTube clips and, and understand more. Do you have any advice on where to start or when you've been coaching leaders, particularly younger leaders who are wanting to, wanting to one day lead in a, in a role like yours, what advice would you give to someone who, uh, you know, wants to really lean in or, or um, invest in their leadership around the three H's about where they might start or where most often is a helpful place to start for them? Yeah, I, I think what you're starting with always, more often than not, for anybody who has leadership desires, typically you're starting with hunger. Um, and I know you mentioned that the the what's hardest to learn is work ethic. I was always watching for that of my son. Did he have work ethic? Did he not have work ethic? I, I, I think a little bit differently. I think hunger is typically associated with those who have leadership aspirations. What I have typically seen people struggle the most, younger leaders um, and mid-career leaders struggle the most is humility. And I always remind myself that humility is all about understanding that you need to, just as you said, Jano, surround yourself with people, A, who challenge your learnings, who add to your learnings, and who are not afraid to challenge you as you may be going in the wrong direction or you may be making mistakes. Um, I think humility for me is that student mindset that we bring every day. And I encourage everybody to visit your own humility index. Are you coming into a room trying to prove you're the smartest person or you're coming in, coming to into the room to learn the most from the interactions from everyone around you? That is a huge difference between being successful longer term and being an also ran. So um, just remind mm. everybody on that. The heart piece, if I may just comment on that, that's where you would go next because it's yeah. it's okay in the beginning of your career to say, I want to become a manager. That's my number one goal right now. But as you grow in your career, what I encourage people to do is deeply understand why you're working, deeply understand what your own motivations are. I am a spiritual person. So when I get up in the morning, I try to remind myself that I have to do the right things for the company I have to do the right things for my people and then the right things for me. That order does not change for me. I, I, it doesn't have to be everybody's formula. You'll have your own purpose of why you're working. For somebody, it might be to make the earth a more sustainable place for the coming generations. Remind yourself the bigger why, and that's really anchoring you on why you're getting up in the morning, why you're showing up in your workplace, why you're showing up on, on the computer screen, why you exist and that has to be something that's yours and personal and meaningful and something that you cannot live without um so i would start kind of number two and three versus number one i feel number one is more given than not mm. yeah thank you for um thank you for unpacking that that's really helpful and i think a lot of people are going to be going and uh looking up the you know to learn more about the three h's that you mentioned that was wonderful to to get that I want to ask you about, uh, you know, over your career, we talked a little bit about your upbringing. Do you remember one of the first leadership opportunities you had, particularly as a young leader, where you really felt out of your depth, uh, you felt challenged, you had to stretch? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what happened and, and, and what that was like? Yeah, and maybe I'll share a little bit before my career even. I was a school captain 
of my school. So high school. So it's like a president of a student council. That's what they call in the US school captain in India. My first experience where I realized how I feel, how I show up, how I conduct myself has an impact much broader than me. Um, and that's kind of where it got reinforced in practice for me that you have to set the bar high and the highest for yourself versus the bar you're setting for others around you. Um, and then when I became a first time manager, I was 20, mid twenties, and I um, had to let go of my entire team within three or four months because there were serious fit issues, capability issues, and it was very, very hard as a new manager um, to let go of your entire team. And I lost a lot of sleep over several days. And I remember going to my manager and saying, I have to do this. Here are the reasons, pros, cons, everything analyzed. There is no way out but to bring in new talent for where the business is going, where the division is going. But I am so sick. I'm sick to the stomach. I feel like throwing up and I'm not feeling good. And I remember my manager at that time had said, welcome to supervision, welcome to being a manager. And if you were not feeling sick with this decision, which is a really hard decision, then I would have thought you're not deserving of being a leader. So truly caring for your people, you have to feel sick when you do things that impact their lives in not a very nice way. That's a test of leadership. That's a test of supervision. That's a test of being deserving of being a manager or a supervisor. So those two stick with me for you know forever, um, and from very very early days of uh, my leadership experience. Yeah, that that's um, that's incredibly hard. I think that's about not much is harder than that in terms of decisions you have yeah. to make as a leader. Uh, I'm guessing that's probably not the only time you've ever had to make the really difficult decision uh, to let people go for any reason. And I know this is one of the things listeners struggle with the most. Do you have any advice on how to do that? Because like you said, it should be keeping you up at night. It's, 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 it's normal if you have to make a really hard decision like that and you're a healthy leader, a healthy person, that it's going to be really hard and very um, and probably, and of course, harder for the person who's receiving it. How, what have you learned about how to do that process well? Yeah, and, and I would strongly encourage people to uh, be patient with yourself if you're feeling sick to the stomach. If you were not, I would be more worried. Um, and I would, I should, yeah, if you're not feeling bad is a, is a bigger worry for your longer term sustainability as a leader. So feel bad, allow yourself to feel bad. But then, Jano, to your question, how do you deal with it? I, I go back to what I learned during 2008 and nine. Again, I'm probably going through four or five rounds after that, as that is very much an expectation from a leader from time to time, right-sizing, responding with agility to the environment, a constantly changing environment. I have learned uh, during this process that remind yourself how you would like to be treated and always treat everybody that you are having to directly and indirectly impact, negatively impact, that they should be treated the way you want to be treated. That will keep you in the right path. That will keep you in the empathetic, others-first mindset that truly uh, make you a sustainable longer-term leader. The second lesson that I've learned, and I've learned from the very best, I feel the very best leaders, is to give trust in advance, to explain to people the background of the why. 
most people over time are rational. If you are providing that background and the reason why with trust in advance, they will be with you even when the impact is directly negative for individuals that are impacted. So those are two meaningful takeaways. And every time I have to go through that in a fast changing world, bigger and bigger impact, uh, bigger and bigger responsibility, I remind myself, how would I like to be treated in that situation? And am I being as transparent as possible with respect to the background and the why behind the decisions? Yeah, that's wonderful, wonderful advice. Uh, once again, as we look at your career so far, uh, Deva, I'm interested in who who are some of the mentors that pop into your mind? And I know there might be 50 people you could mention, uh, and you know we obviously can't mention all of them right now, um, but do you want to pick a couple of the mentors who've had the most positive impact on your life and tell us a little bit about them? I would love to, and I've been so blessed with mentors. Um, one piece though, before I, I share some of the stories is I am a big believer that learnings come from all directions. If you're open to it and you're observant and I strongly encourage maybe not younger leaders, but if there are any leaders who are listening in, who are closer to my uh, point in time and journey is to actively look for reverse mentors, actively look for two generations different um in in earlier in their journeys people that's been very meaningful for me um in the last 10 odd years i always have more than one reverse mentor i'm talking to them actively what do they think i need to do and i get amazing ideas and i can lean on this little coterie of people who feel that they're invested in the outcomes um not not just for my career but for the businesses typically that i lead um Going back in my in my time and my history, I think there are three that I would like to talk about and three that have probably left incredible longer term impact on me, two of whom uh, in the company, they have retired now and they meet me. I can text them and I say, I need to talk to you. I've got something important going on. They will get on a phone. They'll come and meet me wherever I want to meet them. So they've been not just my mentors and folks I've learned from, but they're also investors in me long-term investors. They've retired. They have a lot of fun things in their, in their life, but they'll drop everything if I need their counsel. Um, Andy was my first executive mentor when I moved uh, to the US 20 years ago. He was in my chair. Um, 20 years ago, I was obviously much younger in my, in my life. He was uh, the first uh, sponsored executive mentor, a uh, white man that I thought I had little in common with. And boy, did I learn. <laughs> Uh, from him. He was extremely open. He was trying to learn from me. I was learning from him. He taught me to channel my frustrations, especially with the internal environment, into a plan. So just as we have an external environment response plan, he taught me how to channel my frustrations and turn them into a plan to combat the situation. Stakeholders not liking you or not liking what you stand for, um, leaders that you don't agree with, but he taught me how to channel that frustration into a written down plan, combat the situation, have a stakeholder plan, mitigate the risks that you face. So just something that I have thereafter, 20 years ago, what he taught me, I'm, I'm still living it. Um, the second person that I, I can talk about all day long, um, Julie, um, she had at all of 3M's global operations, also a very respected executive who has retired on multiple boards, et cetera. She taught me to share 
um, and give trust in advance to the next levels of leadership. So they're equipped to take the right decisions when you're not in the room. You can't jump on a call, you're on a plane. You want your enterprise, you want every leader in your, in your organization, several skip levels down, knowing where your brain is, knowing what the business is going through, what you want them to do. When you're leading and managing multi-billion dollar enterprise, it's likely most of the time that you can't get on a phone and tell them what to do. So if you teach people in advance, give trust in advance, they will feel empowered to take the right decision as though you were in the room with them. So that's been a great um, learning for me that I live every day. I share and sometimes, not sometimes, almost always people are stunned at how much I share. But obviously, you know, I, I share everything that I can and not things that I'm not supposed to. Um, <laughs> and that's always stood me. We, we manage information, right? But give yeah. trust in advance, share information in advance. And the last one that I would mention is actually my mother, who is my, who's the best life coach I could have gotten. <laughs> 80 years old, incredibly vigorous. She treats every day with the same vigor as the prior day. Think about it. She's 80 years old, her 80th year plus one day is the same vigor that she had when she was 46 and one day it's it's our formula and i i literally as a copy exact i'm copying exact what i've seen her do every day um and that urgency my my third h the heart piece of it comes from her she lives with an urgency for impact and service that has to be seen to be believed no carryovers of credits no carryover of negative emotions every day waking up in the morning, having this urgency for impact, urgency for service. Yeah, she sounds incredible. Uh, what an inspiration. <laughs> I love hearing stories about um, uh, <laughs> people's parents, uh, but there is always something really special about hearing about a mum, uh, an inspiring mother. And I've had, yeah, it stands out in my mind actually of, you know, 200 episodes so far, there are, there've been a handful of stories Um and uh, that just really stick with you. And I think uh, uh, so many of them are about people who've just had a mother who've, uh, I remember a couple of stories I've had, and I'm sure this would be, um, I, I can hear the admiration you have for your mother, but I've I've had people tell stories of, um, uh, one was uh, a, a, when, when he was about 12, he came on the podcast and he's written a book about career transition and he remembers helping his mum look for work um, and, they were going through a really, wow. a really hard time uh, financially, and I believe um, in their context, you know, financially really challenged. And he was twelve, and he's ended up now making that his career in terms of, and, and but he links it back to that moment of helping his mum, who had lost her job and was a single mum, and in financial difficulty, find um, find a job, and just the remarkable work that she did from that position to then help him become who he is and now he helps lots of people with that and another one is um i i just remember i've had a few stories of amazing amazing mums single mums um amazing mothers who who were um stepping out into work in, you know in in past decades when it was it was really hard as um as as a woman and uh, I remember some stories where, as a as a mother or as a as a wife, as um, you know, with uh, with a partner, these these women they ended up doing having these incredible careers with um, just against all odds. And yeah, isn't there something about those stories that just takes your breath away? And I can hear your mum is one of those mums. 
Absolutely. And I listened to a few of the podcasts, as you know, Jano, when you when I got the links, um, I have to listen to more because I am a huge believer in stories and getting learnings from stories. So absolutely, as a as a woman, as a successful woman, as a successful single parent, I feel very grateful to those who came before us. I, we are standing on their shoulders today. So I really feel grateful for that. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, well, I'm looking at the clock and like I said at the start, I knew I was going to have to be really picky with questions. I'll try to fit a couple, uh, you know, at least one more in before we jump to Leadership Express and land the plane. Um, I just want to ask you about any big aha moments as a leader. We talked about that first leadership opportunity you described, but across your whole career, anything that pops into your mind where you think, yes, that's right. I I saw that happen. I did that and realized it was a mistake. I I um, learned from that person and just a really significant shift or aha moment for you as a leader. What comes to mind? I would probably not an aha moment that I made a mistake, but a realization that got further um, accentuated or anchored is to never put my own career be the reason for my decisions. It has to be the impact on the company, the impact on the community, the impact on your people. Career fear of impact on our own careers has brought down way too many well-recognized leaders because they put their own career interests first. What will happen to my career if I do this? And I went through the oil and gas crisis and obviously being in Australia, you know, there were several countries, several companies. There was a big, large impact in that 2014, 15, 16 timeframe. I was leading 3M's global oil and gas business. When I had joined that business as a global vice president for that business, oil was at $118 a barrel, West Texas. When uh, at that point in time, 14, 15, it was down to $28 a barrel. And I went to our CEO and I said, you need to take this division away. You need to take my job away. And this is how we should move forward and blend it back into the parent businesses. And I was sitting around with everybody on the corporate operating committee in our Section 16 officers staring at me, trying to, they had never seen somebody actually go in and do that proposal and say, fire me. And I can tell you the company didn't fire me. I'm here and I'm doing really well, <laughs> but I earned the respect of everyone in the room. And I have seen way too many people have that fear, hold them back from doing what is right. $120 or $28. I had no business being in that business at that point in time. So I remind myself I should never take a decision based on what happens to my career. I can, I'm, I'm good. I'll find a place and I'll yeah. work my career back up. Um, so that I would put it that way. It's just kind of more anchoring versus, oh my gosh, how did I miss that? I love that. I love that picture of, okay, everyone, you're ready for the presentation. Here's why you should fire me. <laughs> yes. That's um, that's so <laughs> counterintuitive, but it's, no, I, I, I can only imagine the respect your colleagues and um, your your leaders would have had for you out of that would have only increased. And you reminded me of one of my favorite quotes, which is a Zig Ziglar quote, um, who's uh, passed away, you know, a while back, but is a still a wonderful, just wonderful phrases of motivation that came from Zig Ziglar. Um, and he said, you know, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help other people get what they want. And I think in that situation, if you can truly put others ahead of yourself and say, what's in the best interest for this company? What's in the best interest because I'm serving this company in this role? 
And if you can do that and also have that approach with the people you lead, how can I support this person? How can I invest in this person on my team? Then if you can just help enough people, I really do believe that when, you know, like you said, if you, if they had accepted, if they'd said, okay, and they let you go, you would have, you would have been, I can only imagine you would have been snapped up quickly by someone probably who you'd helped previously in some other way who said, oh wait, Dave is free. I'm going to, I'm going to get her for this really important role. And I can hear that heart, which is one of your H's. Um, I can hear that in, in your, um, in your story. and And I think that's really profound. Thank you. You said it really well, Jano. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I just have a couple of questions for you. First one, what is a book that you've gifted to other people or recommended a lot to other people? Please read it. It's called Take the Stairs by Rory Vadden. Oh, I like it. I haven't had that recommendation. Take the Stairs by Rory no. Vadden. Yeah, yeah Vadden. wonderful. So not take the escalator, take the stairs. It's just I like my it. philosophy in life. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's great. I haven't had that recommendation before. So make sure you check out, take the stairs to our listeners. Uh, okay. I want to ask you about, well, let me ask you about time management. Your, um, <laughs> this comes up a lot. Leaders want to know, and it, and it comes up in my coaching all the time. People feel time poor. Obviously there's so many things you could say about that, but are, are there any principles you've learned, any tools, um, about how to manage your time as a, like you said at the start, as a busy executive, not pro- non-profit, um, single mom of a, of a you know, a, a young, young adult son. What have you learned about time management? Any tips? People talk about, and you give the analogy of the big rocks, the small rocks and the sand. I'm a big believer in that. And I'm also a big believer in there's always space for beer, right? So <laughs> um, rewarding <laughs> myself is also important. Never forget about that. So I, I have a seven uh, dimension model, where, which I update every year on what I've achieved during the year, what remains to be achieved in the upcoming year. I look at it every week. So what is important to me is very clear. I can tell you what my seven are. I can send it to you separately, but you need to know what is really the secret sauce of your happiness. And that's yours. That's your personal secret sauce. Um, so for me, if my family relationship, my son, my career, my learning, my, my charity, If those are important to me, I better be intentional about how I'm spending my time. Nothing talks to prioritization than what your calendar looks like. So look at your own calendar. What is important has to be getting your time um, at work and after work. Um, The other piece that I always share, because as, as a single mom, as a female leader, I'm always asked life balance questions. And I always respond with, there is no perfect balance. It is about intentionality. And I treat my family, especially my son being a single mom, um, he's my key account. And that always get, gets an aha from people. Yeah, treat your family like your key accounts. If they call, you drop everything and you tend to them. You make time for them. And when you do that, they they will do everything that you need. They're your support system. They're in your corner. Never treat them badly. Never treat them as secondary. They're your key accounts. I love that. Treat your the most important people in your life as uh, key accounts. That's so good. That's so helpful. Um Okay, a couple more a couple more questions. What's a great piece of advice you've received in life, in leadership? Someone gave you a piece of advice and it stuck with you. Trust yourself. I am a self-critique like you wouldn't have met anybody, probably. Or we all are. High-performing individuals are highly critical. So I'm super self-critical. Um, so I, the greatest advice is trust your own, own read, your own gut, 
your own analysis, have trust and faith in yourself. Doesn't mean you don't take everybody's advice, but that's something I keep going back to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading a book recently that talked about how um, what's right and what's the right decision as a leader is so often what's uh, unpopular or um, and and just that that does mean that there's often that time where you get advice and sometimes you're able to go with what's popular. Other times you have to make a hard decision that's unpopular and um, being able to trust trust yourself and go, no, I really do think this is the right thing is, is great. Uh, last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? Um, I would say leadership is all about followership. Um, a little bit tongue in cheek here. If you turn around and there's no one in your ship, you really do not have leadership. So invest more time in building followership, invest more time in understanding who you serve, why you serve and leadership will come naturally. I love that. Reminds me of the quote. I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but, um, you know, if uh, a leader, if you're if you're a leader, but you turn around and there's no one following you, then you're just um, a person going for a walk, <laughs> something like that. And it's that idea of you know, <laughs> if no matter how passionately you're leading, if there's no one following you, then yeah, you're just off for a walk. Um, that's so the, good. The, the other one, Jano, I'll, yeah, I'll quickly mention is if you get too ahead of your people, they can't differentiate you from the enemy. Don't know if you've heard uh, that one. I no, know. I haven't heard that one. I like that one too. Yeah, because that's the challenge, isn't it? To actually be leading from the front vision and where we're going, but also keeping um, pace with your people and change management. That's so hard. Um, so good. Well, I'd love to invite you back for another. Um, we'll have to do, uh, you know, down the track. It would be great to do a part two and maybe we can we can zoom in on the three H's or anything else that you want. Cause I, I just have so many other questions I didn't have time to ask. Um, so the invitations there, if you want to come back and do a part two at some point, Deba. Happy to, as I said, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Uh, so for those who've really enjoyed today, how can they find and connect with you online? And also, um, obviously, it's a pretty big division, but if they're interested in find out more about 3M and the and the division you lead, no matter where they are in the world? Yes, so I am on um, LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. You just have to look for my name, 3M, Deborati Sen. You'll find me very, very easily. And then 3M Company is obviously 3M.com. 3 and then M as in Mary.com. You'll find a lot about us, no matter where you are in the world. Yeah, and I think I'd be surprised if there are many listeners who haven't heard of 3M. What an incredible company. Uh, well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a fun episode and just so many, so many, so much gold. Uh, my brain is racing even right now thinking about all the different things we chatted about. It was great. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, uh, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Deba, for being so generous with your time, um, sharing sharing your wisdom and, and for being such a joy to spend time with. I've, I've loved having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Jano. I was grateful to be included and I look forward to learning from your other guests and of course from you.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. 
And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 